Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing good. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, I know. We had a little, there was a little technical snafu at the beginning, so I had to let the intro song play all the way out. Couldn't play over top of it. My internet connection was on the wrong one. I didn't check it. I thought it was on the right one, but it went on the wrong one, which was the slower of the two, and therefore it did not play the song right. So I was like, shit, what do I got to do? Well, it just got to let it play out. But hey, Hello, everybody. Well, and, and then thank you my for... phone disconnected. Yeah, and your phone disconnected, so the whole thing was just screwed up. But you know what? We're still here. We're back. We're almost better than ever. Um, we want to thank you all for listening, however, wherever, and whenever you listen. Got a great show for you tonight. If it's you can. Interview. Uh-huh. If you can listen at this point, good grief. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Um, and uh, we got a great interview for you tonight. We got number one New York Times bestselling author Christine Feehan that Jeff and I did an interview with her uh, about a week and a half ago that we're going to play. She's going to be talking about her latest book, Toxic Game, along with another book that comes out in May called Shadow Warrior. But this is the first time we've talked to Christine. It's a hoot. It's a great interview. Uh, You guys are really going to like this one, I think. Um, She was hilarious. A lot of fun. Yep. Uh, You know, we always say that we talk about more stuff than just books and things like that. And we're kind of going to talk a little business here real fast because I don't know how many people – saw this story, Uh, but Jeff, you actually texted it to me, and I'm just going to read the headline real quick, and it's F&W Media citing debt decline and mismanagement files for bankruptcy protection. Jeff, tell everybody who F&W Media is. F&W Media is uh, the company that publishes a lot of the magazines that are specific to what they call communities, so anything involving woodworking, involving construction, coins. Uh, Sky and Telescope is them. Uh, Their biggest one that probably most of our listeners know is they publish Writer's Digest. They also publish Writer's Digest books. Right, and they're the Writer's Market books that you see. Yep, absolutely. So so those big, you know, publisher's books and Asian books and those books that they put out every year – um, where you can find, you know, publishers and agents or short story people or why. I mean, they got like seven of them, I believe, at this point. They're, they're great resource materials. You know, I'm a member online. Um, I just do the online yearly thing. I don't need a big book every year. And, yeah, so they're They're a great resource. Serious, I used it when I needed it. Serious trouble. Um, so they're oh, yeah. facing near-term liquid uh, – uh, Liquidity, I can't even say it. Liquidation? Yeah, no, near-term liquidity liquidity issues 
Yeah, I know. Some of them might get okay. tongue tied. Right. With only about 2.5 million in cash available, when they owe 105.2 million in debt, so they filed for chapter bankruptcy, chapter 11 bankruptcy, um, citing that. They cite, of course, <clears throat> a pure perfect storm of secular industry decline, poor investments, and even mismanagement. So they kind of put themselves in a hole. When you look at this Forbes, um, this Forbes article. The, the only two magazines that you see is Writer's Digest with poor Tess Garrison on the cover and then a Writer's Digest book. So, I mean, that's the big, um, you know, that's, that's the big thing, of course, that we know. So is Writer's Digest in danger of becoming extinct? That's the question. Uh, it's very possible. It's very I, possible. I, I, have to th- I think it's a good 50-50 chance because when you look deeper into this article – like we talked about, they um, listed also on their bankruptcy that they have about 50 to $100 million in assets, but 100 to $500 million in debt. And, yeah, and looking at who they owe money to, um, a lot of these companies I've never heard of, but like for Adobe, they owe them almost $700,000. Uh, Zinio, yeah. which is a magazine reading app that a lot of the libraries use, they owe them $110,000. And yeah. uh, they owe different publishers money and the you know, printing companies. And oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they estimated anywhere from 1,000 to 5,000 creditors. I, you know, I'm an accountant, and that number seems like. You would know if it's closer to one or the other. Um, you, you would know if you owe a thousand people or five thousand people. I would think, but just to have there's that your mismanagement. Yeah, well that's true. I guess they don't know who they owe. Maybe um, they're just writing checks and, and no one's cashing them. But this coupled along with the other news, if people I don't know how many people watch stocks, but Barnes and Noble just put out their first quarter, fourth quarter earnings. That stock dipped below five dollars. Now. For those of you who don't follow the stock market and maybe know what that means, when a stock dips below $5, it is now considered a penny stock. Um, so Barnes & Noble went back up over $5 eventually. Um, that I think that day it went back over $5, but it dipped below $5. And I'm going to check and see where it's at right now. Uh, right now it's at 5.56. So it went up. But that's not today. much. No, so it's a $5.56. It's I mean, you're talking yeah. a 10% decline, and it's back down under $5. I mean, this there's over 600 to 800 stores, I think, in the United States. And if Barnes & Noble goes the way of Borders, which I don't think they will, F&W Media, I think they will, because I don't know if anybody's going to see enough value to want to come in and put that kind of cash in there of course, they'd have to redo the entire management team. Everybody would be gone from the management. They're not going to leave the people who made the mistakes in charge again. There's just no way. But I just don't know how much it's worth saving. They they provide so much useful information for yeah. all and these I don't think that'll go away. crafts. And I just hope that yeah. someone can pick up the slack on these things, especially if this company does go away. Yeah. I, I mean, wish them luck. 
you know, maybe they'll sell off some assets. Maybe someone else will buy Writer's Digest and, you know, things will change up. That I don't know, but it's very close that you guys want to definitely pay attention to, especially if you do that, if you, uh, you know, use Writer's Digest. And they've been around for almost at least, uh, say, 100 years, if not more. So. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, I guess, what you call like the grandfather, right? No, Definitely. I mean, they're the only ones I know that put out it's such a, a complex and comprehensive, you know, book of publishers and agents and, and places like that for writers. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I would be sad to see it go because it is such a useful tool. Yeah. And it helped me when but, I needed it, and yeah. But, you know, the Barnes & Noble one, while I don't think that they will go under, I could see them – closing anywhere from 10 to 20% of their stores. And what will that mean for authors? Well, here's the thing, is that every author I know, their dream is to be in a bookstore, be on a bookshelf so they can tell everybody that they're a printed author. Okay, gotcha. Um, well, opportunities like that are getting much and much smaller. I mean, you, really, you got two shots to go nationwide. you got Barnes & Noble and Books a Million to a point, but they're not nationwide. They're like in only certain places. So Barnes and Noble is really yeah they're not on the west coast at all, not on the west coast at all. Yeah. they're like southeast, but they're like the two largest, of course. So Barnes and Noble closes ten to twenty five percent of their stores in the next three or five years, and you're gonna have, you're gonna start seeing a, a bigger shift, I think, in publishing. And you know these best selling authors and these things like that. I mean, uh, they're gonna have less books on the shelf, but does that mean that eBooks will be on the rise? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, and if ebooks are on the rise, how is that going to hurt? See, all this is trickle down. How is that going to then hurt the little guy who right now is just trying to grab anything off the bottom of the ocean while the big boys take it? But if you're not going to go in and you're going to sit there and say, well, I guess, you know, my Barnes Noble clothes, I'm going to have to get a, a, a Kindle or whatever because I want to read books. And, you know, you, you don't go to the library or whatever, but. You know, the I guess you could order print books from Amazon and still come to you, which I'm sure that'll help Amazon out. But you could now say, hey, I'm not going to spend 32 bucks on a hardcover. I'll just get an e-reader, transition over to it, and spend $12. Well, are you going to buy more books? Or I don't know how that's going to hurt the little guy because maybe some people only read so many books a year, and that's all they can read. Oh, it's It's going to – it's going to be an interesting couple of years here for sure. And, yeah. Uh, I think next five I, years is going to be a I'm really concerned. big change. Yeah. Yeah. So, just something to watch out for, uh, definitely. Yeah. Something yeah, sure to, to start our uh, show. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else are I going to say? We're going to talk about anything else, or do you want to just get into the interview? Well, I, I would say. Let's start the interview because uh, we depressed everybody. Let's cheer them up. Oh, that's true. Well, we, yeah. Well, we'll be back in two weeks. Um, we got a couple other interviews to play for you, and um, yeah, we'll do that in a couple weeks. But right now, let's get into uh, again Christine Feehan. Um, and if you guys don't know her, maybe that well, or listening, she is a number one New York Times bestselling author. She's dark urban fantasy paranormal is what she writes. Uh, there's romance involved. And, what, 
you you did you read Toxic Game or which one did you read? You read you read some of her books. Uh, I I have not read Toxic Game. Okay. And yeah. uh, the one I did read was a while back. I need to catch up. Yeah, but I mean, her books are. I mean, they're quick. They're um, you know, they're definitely fun. They're action packed. Um, it's and it's not really what you think when you think dark urban because it's still this world. It's just humans with different abilities. That's kind of what it is. So don't think that it's like, you know, Blade or something to that effect. It's not like that at all. No, and uh, I will say they are a bit uh, steamy. Yes, they can be. So read it with a loved one. Yes. Or in the bathtub <laughs> by yourself. Either way, you're good to go. So, all right. Yeah. So let's hit the interview, and everybody, we will then uh, sign off, and we will see you all in a couple weeks. But right now, get ready. Christine Fian, Feehan. Feehan. I even asked her before the show. So Christine Feehan. Enjoy, everybody. So we want to welcome everybody here to the show. we got a great interview lined up for you. Of course, you know we're recording this, and we're playing this on the air, so you're hearing the live radio broadcast as we play this. So, Jeff, hey, Good to have you back for this interview, since you missed Greg Isles last week. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed that, but uh, I'm so glad I could uh, join you for Christine. This is going to be awesome. Right. So, everybody, we are so pleased to be able to have Christine uh, Feehan on the show for the first time ever. I know that we've spoken to her before in the magazine. It's been a while that we did, but Christine, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to be able to speak with you. Uh, again, you know, you're an author that is definitely extremely on the busy side, uh, I would say. Um, you, you do like to write. I don't know if there's any much more time in your life to do anything else since the, um, you know, because you, you, you definitely are a writer. But there's a couple books that I know that we have coming out here, but we're, let, let's start with the first one that's coming out, Toxic Game, which is book 15 here in your Ghost Walker series. So give us a little bit about what you're going on in, uh, with that one, and then we're going to transition a little over later to uh, Shadow Warrior. Well, Toxic Game is set in the Indonesian jungle in Sumatra, and uh, the mission is to rescue the wounded and the surviving uh, World Health um, Organization doctors who've gone in uh, to... Um, there's a deadly virus that's been unleashed, and but some terrorists have shot them up, and so they've gone in to be, the ghost walkers are rescuing them, and everything goes wrong, of course. And one of my ghost walkers is now infected with the virus, and he is left behind there. And um, so his mission is, has changed. He's infected, and it forces the team to leave him, uh, in order to save all of them, and he tries to bring down the terrorist cell and find the creators of the virus before he dies. Huh. So that's oh, it's, sort it sounds of exciting, premise. of course. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> and of course, if everything went right, then we wouldn't be wanting to read the book anyway. But <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about uh, world building for this series because. Your yeah. team has special abilities, and there are certain rules, like they have to have an anchor in order to fulfill what they can do. Could you talk a bit about the world building of, of this series? I've always had a, an interest in science 
and I, um, not to say I'm really good at it because I'm not, but <laughs> I really get interested in um, what, you know, what they're doing for the future. And I read about it every day, and then I kind of project it in my head. What are they going to do with this? And so in doing that, of course, my imagination takes hold, and I end up wanting to write about it. And so the ghost walkers were born, sort of the mad scientists who um, did, you know, gene splicing, and, and he enhanced their psychic abilities. I, I do think that everybody sort of has intuitions, and so he sort of bumped those up, and some of them have less and some of them have more. And that's how uh, I, I sort of came up with the idea of them. And, I, you know, every day I still look at those, um, the, the health, everything to do with health and everything to do with science. And I research and research and come up with some interesting things, I think. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, my, my wife is a research scientist, so I totally understand <laughs> what you're saying. Well, sometimes I don't always understand. This was a hard one for me. Years ago, uh, when the Ebola virus really broke out, I really read and read and read about it and was uh, quite fascinated by it. And um, I set one in the Congo, set a, one of my books in the Congo. And at the time, there was, it was rumored that it had broken out again, and sure enough, it had. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do something with the hemorrhagic virus. And I thought I would really understand it all. But I got a hold of three very top, um, you know, PhDs who were in that um, world. Oh, my God. I hardly understood one blasted thing they said when they were talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and when, when you're writing about something like that, like, like you have to do a lot of research on it because, you know, you're not that well-schooled in it. I mean, you know, you're not a scientist, and this is not something that you're doing. How difficult and challenging is it for you to be able to kind of relay the truthness to the reader to make them think that you are like the expert in the field? Well, I always – I always have a couple of primary sources. When I did artificial intelligence, I was talking with the man who co-wrote the first artificial intelligence, um, um, okay, what was it, uh, book, manual. And, you know, when he first started talking to me about it, and he was so excited and, and he got into it, I hardly understood any of it. So I would always say, okay, you know, he's a professor, and I would say, now you got to dumb it down. And then until I understood it, and then I would try to write about it, and I would realize, okay, half my readers aren't going to understand this. So I would have to say to him, we have to, like, bring it down a little bit more. And that's And that's what you do. And you also have to realize that you learn – way more about the subject than you're ever going to put in a book. Right. True. Um, your books are, um, how do we say this, uh, a bit steamy. I could probably cook vegetables on them. Um, 
how do you write a romance scene? You know, I um, disassociate myself when I write. The book um, is really about the couple, and it's very important to me to show that a monogamous couple, a, a husband and wife, can have a very um, steamy, sexy relationship. Um, it doesn't have to be a man and his mistress or one night stand. I can. My parents were married for over sixty years, and my mother used to say, "A good lover is a man who can keep a woman satisfied for sixty years." And you know, I believe that. And when um, I write the the scenes, it's their story, and I'm not in any way involved in it. I completely step back, and and I'm not embarrassed by sex. Sex to me is a part of life, and so I don't, I'm not in any way embarrassed by it. And I am sometimes surprised when people are. I I just think it's it's a natural part of life. You know, and it's, I, I was gonna, and, and Jeff kind of had a little bit, and you kind of answered it. I was gonna kind of ask you. You know, when you kind of first starting out, because I had interviewed Laurel K. Hamilton a couple times, and she had mentioned to me that when she kind of first starting out, it was a little awkward to kind of write those kind of sex scenes. And, and then you just kind of got used to it, because then, like you said, it was just like the job. It was like just what you're going to do. So you never kind of felt that awkwardness, maybe having to kind of do like your first sex scene or something to that way. You, you always kind of were able to disassociate yourself from that um, arena? Yes, the only time I've ever felt uh, a little awkward, my father was very extraordinarily proud of me. And um, he was in his 80s, and so his friends were dropping like flies. He was going to a funeral like every week, and he would force his friends to go to the bookstore after every funeral and buy my book. (laughs) <laughs> so believe me, they were reading the sex scenes, and they all wanted to talk to me about them. Yeah. That was awkward. <laughs> I, I can I can I can see how that yeah. could be awkward. It was very awkward. <laughs> now, I mean, you know, you have you you have well over six seven series that that are kind of going on, and and like you said, you know, we're we're kind of in the Ghost Walker series here, and this is you know book fifteen, but. How are you cut? And we're going to get into the Shadow series with Shadow Warrior here, and that's um, I think book four in that series. So how how are you able to kind of since you write kind of so quickly and you're able to kind of get these books out? Is it hard to you know compartmentalize all of this stuff without you know messing things up? I guess you want to say. <laughs> you know, I have notes. I I have a lot of notes. You have to have a lot of notes. Yeah, for each series. And the thing is, once I finish a book, um, the other book is already this. This, I'm, I think I'm kind of nuts, and inside my head, the book is already pushing the story, pushing at my brain, and it's insisting on being written. And so it's already forming in my head and saying, "Okay, here's." I can start with a blank piece of paper. And just go, okay, I have no idea what I'm going to write, but the story's already in my head. And so uh, as soon as, um, you know, I go, okay, it's 
10 o'clock and 11 o'clock, uh, I have to have 2,000 words on a piece of paper, I start writing. Wow. That's dedication. And it's fair. Yeah, it just comes out. Yeah. No. I wouldn't say you're nuts. I mean, you're with us, so that's a little nutty, but I wouldn't say you're like nuts. <laughs> well, I, I constantly have these stories in my head, and and they're, you know, they they form, and I and I have to get them out. Like I, I need to get them out of my head. That's cool. We're, we're writers too, so I totally get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. good. I'm glad. Yeah. Dan. <laughs> It's like trying to stop the noise in your head from getting too loud yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Um, I'm curious, um, because we sort of live in a Me Too movement time, I'm wondering if you've had to change your writing in any way to sort of fit the current times. I don't, and I'll tell you why. I think that... Um, it's very important that every every woman has a voice and every woman's fantasy should be met. I don't think that we should exchange in someone else a, a young college age woman telling me what I should or shouldn't want to read or feel or have in my bedroom, um, or have my man be like, um, for a man telling me that. Do you, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I should be, it should be my choice how I think, how I feel, what my fantasies are. It shouldn't be somebody else's. And the sister should, sisterhood should back me up. However I think, however I feel. And so I write entertainment. I write fantasy. Good answer. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, is there a line you won't cross, though, in terms of the sex or uh, some of the violence? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, there's a line I won't cross. I mean, if, if you're a villain, of course, I cross a lot of lines. If you're a <laughs> hero, there's certain lines that absolutely uh, I won't cross. Now, I'm writing a a series, a new series, the Torpedo Inc. series, and that's iffy. Those guys, you know, they were children raising themselves, and they they don't know what the heck they're doing. So I I kind of blur some lines there. It, it, that one I don't know about. Okay. Gotcha. So let's kind of transition a little bit now into – Shadow Warrior, which is coming out a little later in the year, uh, as Toxic Game will probably be out when this um, show airs. So Shadow Warrior is coming out June 4th, and it is the fourth book in your Shadow Rider series. So give us a little behind-the-scenes look in, into this series and kind of, you know, because this, this is a much different uh, kind of series vibe than the Ghost Walker series is. Yeah, I love the Shadow uh, Warrior series. The writer's I had this really interesting experience. I have uh, black Russian terriers. They're very large dogs. And one day they were playing out in the yard. Um, They're always with me. Um, They're about 140 pounds. They're all black. And they were uh, wrestling. 
And there were all these shadows uh, on the ground because of the trees, and they would run through these shadows, and, and I wouldn't be able to see them for just a few minutes, and then they'd suddenly come out on the other side. And, you know, you're a writer, so you realize what There happens. you go. <laughs> Your mind starts yeah. doing It starts churning. <laughs> and I kept thinking, what if you could use the shadows to go places, to move from one place to another? No one could see you. Um, if you were an assassin, if you could serve justice and, um, you know, go from city to city. So I came up with this whole premise of these men who do that. They serve justice to those who who get away with murder. And they go into a city and they take out the bad guy and nobody ever sees them. And they they move through the shadows to do it. And I came up with a whole family and a whole neighborhood, and uh, it, it's been fun. I love the neighborhood. I love the family. And this particular book uh, is a Vittorio, and there is a really creepy serial killer. He's so creepy. And my, my editor... <laughs> I just got the book, so I haven't read it yet, but now I'm getting excited. I like creepy. Oh yes. And she says, thanks a lot. I can't go to sleep at night now. Yeah. And, but you love that when you get emails and people are like, damn you, Christine, you left me up all night. And you're like, yeah, that's what I was supposed to do. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'm so happy. Uh-huh. Best emails an author can get. Yep, I made you stay up all night. Good. Now go buy the next one in the series. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's so great. Uh, I'm kind of curious because as writers here, they try and sort of, especially agents and publishers, try and put you in a box. Like, this is what I write. So, you know, I write a thriller, I write fantasy, I write, you know, paranormal, whatever. And I'm curious because your writing seems to encompass multiple genres here. What do you consider yourself, what genre do you write? I consider that I write romance, but with a lot, like I write romantic thrillers, romantic suspense, romantic um, military thrillers. I mean, you know, I, but I always write romance, and I always will, because I always want a happy ending. And I remember I got a letter from a soldier one time, and he was reading a book called Deadly Game, and he couldn't finish it, and he was so upset, and he goes, I can't read the last, I can't read the ending of this book because he can't lose the girl. He just can't. He's been through too much. And I said, I write romance. It's a happy <laughs> ending. That's, that's the definition of romance. <laughs> I go turn the page. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, no pun intended, by the way. Um, so, <laughs> with happy ending. Um, anyway, um, one of the things we talk about on our show a lot is uh, series versus standalones. And I'm kind of curious why you write series as opposed to doing standalones. You know, it just evolved that way. I didn't mean for it to happen. Uh, I just, um, I started, I was writing for myself, um, the, the Carpathian series, you know, 
that the dark series. Mm-hmm. I did that for myself uh, years and years ago. I had lost a child, and I used to tell him the stories when um, he was, you know, in high school. I would, I always told my kids stories, and um, so I started writing them down. And when I, I was uh, in martial arts. Actually, I I was a a martial art instructor for 20-some-odd years. So you could kick our asses, too. (laughs) (laughs) Where can I send you some money to own their money? (laughs) I I, um, ended up retiring, and I still had three children to support, and my girlfriend said, well, send, send your books in. And I said, nobody's doing vampires. They won't take my books, and lo and behold, they did, and I only had um, those books, you know, at that time. I had three of them, so uh, they took them, although you wouldn't believe what I did. I knew nothing about publishing, nothing, and they asked me for the second book, and I sent it in, and she called me and said they wanted me to change the first chapter, and I said no. I wouldn't do it. And I said, uh, it won't work any other way. And I said, just toss it. And they're like, what? And I said, toss it. You don't need it. (laughs) (laughs) That's classic. Get rid of it. (laughs) They ended up buying it just the way it was. They thought I was so clever looking for more money. (laughs) I was pure ignorance. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm curious. At this point, are um, you know, you you have over seventy books that that you've written. I just wanted to know: are are you trying to take down Heather Graham for writing the most books? No, no. Because <laughs> I think she's in the two hundreds, though. Yeah, Heather. Heather can have that title. <laughs> she definitely is hardworking. I yeah. still play. I have grandchildren and I play with them. So mm-hmm. they come over and they get. I stop everything. You, I mean, now this is something that Jeff hasn't uh, been able to have yet. But I mean, he will soon with his children because his children are getting. You know, he, he got seven, ten years. He's going to be a grandpa. But I just became a grandpa, and my granddaughter <laughs> is turning two in May. Isn't it the greatest thing ever? It is absolutely the greatest thing ever. Absolutely, hands you know, down, the greatest thing. And people ask me, they go, "Well, why are like grandkids like almost more special than your own kids?" And I had to think about it, and so I'm going to ask you and see if you agree with this. And I said, "You know what?" I said, "I had to think about this, but I think it's because of this. Because when you're raising your kids, you're so busy, you're working, there's so many things going on, you don't really stop and smell the roses, if you want to say." But a grandkid now is a time machine. It's given you the ability to go back and do those things that you didn't do with your kids, remembering all the little things and cherishing all those little things and not just saying, no, come on, we've got to get dinner ready, we've got to get this, time to go to bed, time to do this. Do you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. And I also think that, you know, you're so busy trying to instill all those things in them that they need for life lessons. Yeah. And, you know, you with a grandchild, you can actually be a child with them. 
You can enjoy every minute with them. I do. I never. I had five minutes to do art projects with my kids, and I would get on the floor and try it. But then something would call me away. Mm-hmm. With my granddaughter, I can spend two hours if I want to. Yeah, and give her ten pixie sticks and say, "Here you go, back, back, back to mom and dad." <laughs> right. Oh yeah, and I do. I'm very bad. Oh yeah. I mean, tell me, you know, you know darn well that when you're picking out a toy for Christmas, you're going to buy the loudest one, and you're going to say, that's going to your house. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. The, the, the popcorn popper that they push on the ground. I'm waiting for my granddaughter to be able to get into that, because that's the first thing that I'm going to buy. I'm going to say, there you go. Now you got a popcorn popper. She can walk around the house. Then a karaoke machine. I already got her a drum kit. Yeah, that's it. Uh-huh. It's, called, uh-huh. it's called grandparent revenge. Oh, you better believe it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got that. I'm so ashamed. (laughs) Dude, and you're going to do the same thing when your kids have kids. Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) Um, It's curious about your writing process. Um, So you talked about, you know, they're in your head. How long does it take you from the blank page to actually? you know, having a finished draft edited and then sending it to your agent and editor? Um, it really depends upon if I have all the research done and I I try to have the research done prior to the book being, uh, you know, for me writing it, my notes already. And so I sit down, um, say I turn in a book um, February 1st. My goal is, in two months to have the other book completely done and sent to my editor. Two That's months. Two months. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. That's amazing. <laughs> now, how many now? How many conferences do you go to? Do you go to a lot of conferences? Are you out and about no. so a lot of people can see? No. You know? Absolutely not. I don't. Is it because is, is, you just don't? I, you're not into it. I, no. I, I traded being seen for writing, for getting uh-huh. the books up. That's because I'm not that good at writing on the road. Okay. Um, some people are. I am not. I don't so you, go back to my room and write. So you don't even go to like one or two conferences. You're just totally checked out of all of them. No, I I um I go. I'm going to Book Lovers Conference. Okay. Um, in May in New Orleans. Oh, cool. And I have gone. I did go to the RT one a couple of times. Um, I try to choose a couple um, a year. I went to I went to one in Texas, um, the Fresh Fiction one. Oh yeah. And I'm also going to Lori Foster's. Um, Lori is a good friend of mine, and she does hers for charity. Oh, cool. And so I felt all of her, everything that she makes goes to a charity. And oh. so that, I felt, was something that I wanted to, um, you know, get behind. So, you know, I try to pick I try to pick the ones that I really, um, okay, here, this is embarrassing. But That's okay. I have, I have to stay near sea level. <laughs> oh, you don't like to go up high. No, I It's like the exact not. opposite of me. I like to go high. <laughs> <laughs> I live in California. What am I going to do? No. <laughs> well, I live in 
sea level, and when I get um, I when I get up too high, I get freaking altitude sickness. Like that's so embarrassing. Like I'm a wuss or something. Wow. So it's not like claustrophobia for flying. It's just altitude. It's altitude sickness. Yes. I actually was hospitalized for it. In wow. In Nevada. <laughs> Wow. It was really embarrassing. Huh. Interesting. Never heard of that, but that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm at sea level, too, so I'm totally with you, at least uh, having been to Denver once, and I thought, why am I not breathing like I can? (laughs) Yeah, be careful, because Denver Denver almost got me. Albuquerque is actually, like, even taller, and people don't realize that. I think Albuquerque is actually, like, higher up. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now we check anytime I'm invited to anything. The first thing they do is check the altitude. You know. Wow. Can my you goodness. can well, you deal with that? Isn't that? Oh my gosh, it's so embarrassing. It's like really. Oh, the little princess can't deal with the altitude. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> you say, well, maybe, but you're still buying my books. <laughs> So who's winning in the end? <laughs> it's my kids that give me the bad time. Exactly. Like, oh, mommy, you're so delicate. <laughs> no, real quick. Uh, no, no, real quick because Jeff's got a question for you. But and then, uh, so real quick, did, did you ever write a character that has that same thing that you have? I don't remember anything like that. I haven't. No. Oh, okay. I I really haven't because you know I do martial arts. I'm kick-ass, and, and <laughs> I can't go. <laughs> well, you can't kick anybody's ass in Albuquerque, but you can kick it in New Orleans. There you go. Right. <laughs> you know, but you ain't going to Albuquerque to kick somebody's butt, so that's the difference. <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> wow, oh so God. martial arts expert, vampires, viruses, <laughs> and we're talking about altitudes, what got you. Okay. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's exactly. That's the Altitude Warrior. That's book five in the series. There we go. I should do that one. Um, I was wondering if you had any Hollywood stories. Hollywood stories? You know, like uh, has someone asked for, like, wanting to make a film or TV Anything out of Anything coming to the books? screens? No, I do not. Nothing. I do not have any Hollywood stories, not one. Oh, but I'm, I'm sure, sure your books get optioned, like right off the bat. Nope. Well, we're gonna have to go hit some people, John. <laughs> no shit. Can we? Hey, so a year of karate, would I be able to go ahead and kick some butt? Because that makes um, absolutely no sense. The amount of work that you have done, and the quality of it. And nobody has, oh, that just makes zero sense. But then again, that's why they keep making freaking 17 footlooses and another damn star is born. Already done. Been done 17 times. Don't need to do it again. But <laughs> I know. I wow. Know. I, thought the, I thought the Shadow series might be. Yeah, that looks like a great like HBO, even like a Netflix, because you'd have to put it on a network that can go far. Right. You'd have and to. And I thought I really thought that was different enough and and very cool and really great special effects, you know, very yeah. modern and, and great characters, great stories. Yeah. I mean, exactly. easy. I, 
I'm so confused. Yeah. Well, if we can do something to make it happen, let us know, please. Hey, I'm out here in Hollywood. Maybe I'll shake some trees and, you know, what is that? Shake the... Shake, shake the, shake the, shake the jungle to startle the snakes, or what is that? I forget what that freaking saying is. <laughs> shake the grass. I don't know what it is. So, Christine, hey, so before we let you go, um, Christine Feehan is the best place for people to find everything out about you. Is that is that correct? Yes, at my website. I always keep it updated all the time. I have. It's a, a great looking website too. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I answer questions if anybody goes into the community part. That is one place I don't I don't answer on Facebook um because I just can't be on that many places. I, I answer if they if they write to me, um I always answer and if they uh go on my wall on my community, I always answer. Cool. Great. And uh, so, are you active on social media, Twitter, Facebook? Or are you just kind of you? You don't. You're not really active. You just kind of look and see what um, people are saying. But I am. I, I'm active on Instagram, Twitter. Okay. Um. I I have a Facebook, and there's a lot of news on that. So cool. Goodreads, I'm active on that, and um, <clears throat> you know, of course, my my website, I am. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, I want to say thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to finally speak with you. You come on any time, and you know we'll just we'll just shoot the shit for for a half hour, hour, two hours, whatever we got. <laughs> this has been fun. Thank That's you. the whole idea. We try to make it fun. <laughs> oh, thank so. you so much. Yes, thank you thank so you much, and you have a great one. And congratulations again, everybody. The um, the when you hear this show, the latest book is going to be out. It's going to be Toxic Game, and that is book 15 in the um, Ghost Walker series. And then June the 4th is when you're going to have Shadow Warrior coming out, and that is the fourth book in the Shadow Rider series. Um, and then you have some others, I'm sure, coming out later in the year. Yes, I have Dark Illusion, September 3rd, and Le- Leopard's Wrath, and that's November, November 5th. So you got so you got basically three more coming out the rest of the year. Wow. Yes. Amazing. Damn. <laughs> well, good luck. We don't want to take you away from your computer because we know it's probably lonely since you touch it a lot. And we will talk with you later. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. Thank thanks you. a lot. Have a good one. 